Okay, we pray as always. Come Holy Spirit. Lord, give you permission to do what you desire. Make our minds, hearts, and souls fertile soil that your word may bear great fruit in our life. Illuminate the scriptures for us. Convict and console our hearts. Speak, for your servants are listening. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. The, uh, so, in case you just decided to come to this Mass because it's the best Mass time for you this week, uh, it's my last weekend in the parish here. Uh, Christ the King, I'll be going to, to St. John's uh, next Sunday with, with Father Albert and Father Matthew, who's been here, will become pastor here at Christ the King. So, yeah, and just in preparation for this Mass, my heart has been a little bit all over the place, and uh, I'm probably just going to ramble a little bit in my homily. And maybe you're thinking, well, that happens every Sunday, so <laughs> nothing new for you then. Great, everything is the same. In the second reading, St. Paul says the gift is not like the transgression. That the gift is not like the transgression. The transgression, the reality, what St. Paul is talking about is like through sin, the original sin, right? That we fell from grace. And all of our own individual sins have consequence. Venial sin damages our relationship with the Lord. St. John talks about uh, sin, right, that, that kills the soul, the mortal sin we know takes us out of a state of grace. And so there's a real reality, like this sober reality of like St. Paul says, the wages of sin are death. It's a real thing. It really is talking about, too, like eternal separation from the Lord. Not just even physical death, but eternal separation from the Lord. And by our own real sin, like this is what, this is what we're owed. This is what we're due. But the Lord, in His love and in His mercy, says, I desire something different. I desire something different. So the gift is that he has taken on our flesh. This great mystery of the incarnation of our flesh, brothers and sisters, um, by God himself, is something I think we, we, even as we have a great appreciation for it, we take for granted the profundity. The profundity. That God who is transcended in a way in which we cannot even comprehend. That God is perfect in a way in which we cannot comprehend. That because he desired our eternal communion with him, entered into our world in this way that he took on our flesh, into the fullness of our life, 
experiencing the different emotions and realities of humanity. And then offering his life for us. In our, our sin merits eternal separation from him. And again, we just have to have this, like, not something like we should be overly focused on or we should be overly fearful about, but like a sober awareness, like, that's real. Heaven's real, hell's real. It's just real. But then, like, God, again, God's like, hey, I don't, what I want for you is eternal communion with me. So I'm coming get you. I'm coming get you. And the gift is not like the transgression, and that it is full of mercy. That it is not about so much what we do. Yes, we have to choose faith. We have to choose to enter into the sacramental life of the church. We have to choose to continue to persevere that when we sin, when we commit grave sin, to come to the sacrament of reconciliation, to be restored in the Lord. It is our choice means something, but it is the, the, the real reality here is what God is doing and what God desires. Because as St. Paul tells us, and by now if you've been here for a little while, at least Maybe you've been here the whole seven years that I've been here. You probably have this verse memorized just because I've said it over and over and over again. You already know it's coming. Right? Romans 5.8. God proves his love for us. There's the proof. Why, why do we have to say this over and over? Because our own fallen humanity, our own like knowing of ourselves, and the enemy comes in in the midst of our sin and tells us like, you're not worthy of God's love. You're not worthy of God's love. You're not worthy, which is true. But the Lord's love never changes, never changes. God cannot change. So our sin cannot affect him and make him stop loving us. And so there's proof of it, as St. Paul tells us, by the Lord dying for us while we were sinners. Not after we stopped sinning. Not after we became saints. While we were sinners, the Lord died for us. Then this is proof of his love. And so our, our part in it is a receptivity, is a saying yes, is an allowing him to love us. I can't tell you how many times uh, in the confessional, and speaking about the reality of the Lord's grace and mercy and love and saying, okay, hey, like your part, right? Your part, my part, our part is to allow the Lord to love us. And people are like, so easy, Father. Like, it's hard, right? It's hard. We want, we want to earn it. There's something in us. That's, that's distorted, that we want to earn it, that we feel like we need to earn it. And the Lord says, no. You just need to receive. You just need to relent. You just need to allow me to love you. And it is in that, it is in receiving the heart of the Father and receiving his love that is pure mercy and pure gift and completely undeserved that real transformation happens. That real configuration to the Lord Jesus happens. That the beginning of heaven, of the, the Trinity dwelling in our souls, 
I'm, I'm avoiding a 40-minute tangent about the in, indwelling of the Holy Trinity in our souls, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm willfully doing that right now. It's crazy. This happens here and then ultimately for all eternity. So brothers and sisters, the gift that has been given to us by God is a gift that is not just for us individually, but that is shared within the, the communal mystical body of Christ. That as you say yes to God's mercy, it has an impact and an effect on the whole body. As you say yes, as you say yes, as you say yes, as this perduring yes, it has an impact on the whole body because we each have our own personal relationship with Jesus that is very real and very true and cannot be underestimated. But also, it is never just me and Jesus because we are drawn into, we are believers in Christ who has established his mystical body, the church, and that when we're baptized into the church, we're drawn in, not just as sons and daughters of the Father, but brothers and sisters with each other, with Christ dwelling in our own souls, so that together, together, we share in Jesus' relationship with the Father. It's crazy. As a father, right, we are gathered now in this unique expression of the church, in the pinnacle of the expression of the church on earth by celebrating the Holy Mass, the Eucharist, which is the source and the summit of the Christian life on this side of heaven. And we do so as a body gathered together. The priest stands as Christ the head. The members of the lay faithful are Christ the body, united together. And so what the Father sees, what the Father perceives, is the Holy Spirit alive in his church, who is Jesus. And what, what, what is required of us is that we willfully believe that, and that we willfully unite ourselves to Jesus as he is here offering himself to the Father. Can you've heard me say it before. It's like we're at the Last Supper. It's like we're at Calvary. It's like we're at the resurrection. That those events, because they were done by God in the flesh, move beyond space and time. And through the sacramental life of the church are present to us now whenever we celebrate them. And so as the Father is looking down upon us, He is seeing all of us individually but he's also seeing us in communion with Christ. That we're drawn into Jesus' heart and his offering to the Father so that the gift, the gift is greater than the transgression. It is not like it. The transgression brings separation, a separation from, from humanity, from God, a separation of each of us individually from the Lord, a separation of us from each other, but the gift draws it all back together. And in a way, actually, that was greater than the fall. Greater than the fall, before the fall. That we're experiencing 
this communion with the living God here. And it is, brothers and sisters, sure, just our eyes to be open, our hearts to be open, to taste the reality of that just a little, that we would hunger for it more in the mundane at times, in the mundane realities of our life, sometimes in the mundane reality of celebrating Mass, but in the glory of that reality that the Lord is present here. And the more we give ourselves over to it, the deeper the communion we have with the Lord in Christ and the deeper communion we have with each other. And so, yes, my heart hurts. You know, as I mentioned when, when the announcement was made, like I would have preferred to stay here longer. It's a real gift. I love this community. I'm also very grateful to go where I'm going. You know, this is weird thing that happens in a priest's life I don't know many times <laughs> and will happen again but the truth is is that like in the beginning of the gospel when Jesus goes into Peter's house Jesus goes into Peter's house and he says he took James and John with him He goes into Peter's house. He says he took James and John with him. This image of Peter's house being his heart and his soul. And now when Jesus enters into our soul, there's an invitation to bring other people with him. It's a communion of the church. So in these seven years, as the Lord has like and like knocked on the door of my heart and said, Andrew, I want to come in and I want to come in more deeply. He has brought you with him in my home, in my heart. I'm grateful. So, as the Lord has invited me to go somewhere else and to be received somewhere else, you come with me in a real sense. Even though there won't be the same level of immediacy of relationship that you come with me and remain in Christ in my heart, especially as we celebrate the Holy Mass. So I ask you to pray for me, which I've asked from the beginning. I know I'm only still, you know, like in relationship with the Lord because of people interceding, that I entered seminary, that I per persevered in seminary, that I've persevered in the priesthood thus far, in a large part because of people asking the Lord for grace and mercy on my own soul. So please, if you stop praying for me, something will happen to you. <laughs> that is a threat, okay? I won't say what it is, I'll let it be shrouded in mystery, okay? Please continue to pray for me. And then, 
as I'm confident you will, continue, you know, to love Father Matthew and receive him. He's been such a gift to our whole community this past year and just a, a great man and a great priest. And so love him as you have loved me and you will be a gift to him and he will be a gift to you. Just a real reality. So I'll close by reading the beginning of St. Paul's letter to the Philippians and just taking um, just the, the sentiments of his own heart as he you know, was writing back to the church that he had been with and that he had left to go on mission somewhere else. He says, I give thanks to my God at every remembrance of you, praying always with joy in my every prayer for all of you. Because of your partnership for the gospel from the first day until now, I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work in you will continue to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right that I should think this way about all of you because I hold you in my heart, you who are all partners with me in grace. For God is my witness, how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may increase ever more and more in knowledge and every kind of perception to discern what is of value so that you may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God.